Your Partner in Success Radio is a free business podcast with host Denise Griffiths. It's all about great stories, conversation, and context to help you move your business and life forward with actionable tips and advice from her guest experts. To listen and subscribe, just find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Good morning, and welcome to your Partner in Success Radio, where top performers share their secrets to help you achieve your personal and your professional goals. I'm your host, Denise Griffiths, and together with my amazing guests, we bring you inspiring and actionable insights to help you take your life and business to the next level. Ranked in the top 2% of the most popular podcasts in the world, this podcast really is a must-listen. So let's dive in, sit back, relax, take notes, and prepare to take to explore the limitless possibilities that await you on this journey to success. And today, I'm really excited to welcome back to the show empowerment expert, Jennifer Mrozek Sokalo. She was here on Monday. We rarely, rarely have a chance to do a back-to-back show like this, but I had a, a guest that had to unexpectedly reschedule to January So Jennifer got called in. (laughs) She's it. But Jennifer is deeply committed to empowering people. She helps them unlock their potential, embrace confidence, excuse me, and set forth on a journey of prosperity. And her impactful contributions have earned recognition in esteemed publications like Live Strong, Prevention Magazine, Fast Company, and many more. And she stands as a globally sought-after authority in leadership and personal development. And she, this is the important part. This is what I really wanted to talk about. Jennifer is also the author of, and I love this title, Claim Your Swagger, Stop Surviving and Start Thriving. And that book is on my desk as we speak. And I think I might have mentioned that this is national, October is National Book Month. I'm going to be sharing a lot about that book. Excuse me, I'm losing my voice already. Good morning, Jennifer, and welcome back to your Partner in Success Radio. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you so much for inviting me back. I'm so glad that this worked out, that we could do a back-to-back. That's really exciting. It rarely happens. In fact, as I was telling you just a few minutes ago, if I've done a back-to-back in all the years that I've been doing the show, I don't recall. If I have done so, it's very, very rare, rare. So it just... You're going to be doing all the talking. Do you know? <laughs> I'm not going to talk anymore. <laughs> but it's, it, we, and we were so excited when I was talking with you last week, and I love this book. We just could not get all the way through it. There's just so much to share. And do me a favor and repeat what you said to me in the green room, because I need that reminder. We have to meet ourselves where we are. And knowing is not the same as doing. Exactly. I don't know about y'all, but I start my day up beating myself up all the time. I'm like, Denise, really? You know, I'm looking at my yesterday's calendar. I'm looking at the day before that going, oh, you've got to be kidding me. (laughs) And it's not a good thing. Where you are is where you need to be. That's right. I Actually, I just wrote about this recently in a Swagger Sense in a newsletter that I do. And I talked about the best, one of the keys to moving forward is actually to first pay attention, acknowledge and accept where you are, your starting point. So similar to a GPS, what are the two pieces of information you absolutely have to have in order to get to your desired destination if you're using a GPS? What's the first thing you have to put in, Denise? I fight with my GPS. She's not the boss of me. Well, that's true. She's not the boss of anybody, but <laughs> they're very helpful sometimes. <laughs> so in order uh, to get to where we want to go, exactly, right? You have to put where you want to go. What's the next piece of information that's critical? Not fighting with the GPS, which well, is what I'm doing literally every day <laughs> internally. It's like, Denise, you can do this later. Ooh, ooh, ooh. You know, I don't know about you, but I am great at procrastination. Oh, I'm I'm actually quite good at it myself. And and my list this week have just been so I created schedules for myself on my calendar this week. Did I I mean I think I did I adhered to it one day out of the five. Oh, the rest yeah. of the time I ended up doing whatever else I wanted to do during that time that I had scheduled for something else. It's it's easy to do. And I what I'm trying to say is that 
don't continue to beat yourself up because when you beat yourself up, you create your own barriers to actually moving forward. Acknowledge and accept where you are and identify what steps do I need to take to move forward. And what is so amazing to me is that how many times we tell ourselves we don't have time. Well, if we keep saying that, for one thing, we're going to create that. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. But the other thing is we always seem to find time or make time for the things that are important to us. So we have to just identify what are those priorities. And sometimes it means shifting those priorities around and identify what is really, really important to me right now at this point in time. And how do I take steps to make progress in that particular priority? And focus is a big issue. It absolutely is. I mean, focus, I've got a squirrel brain, I admit it. And sometimes I'll just say, oh, geez, really? But I know enough about how my body works and how my brain Mm -hmm. works to say, I'm walking away for a while. Sometimes we need that. Right. I do what I call, you know, my open refrigerator door meditation. I will deliberately walk to my refrigerator, open both doors, stick myself as far in as I can go. And my, my mind just goes blank. I think that's what refrigerators are really meant to do. You just go blank (laughs) and it's a break. I can go, okay, now, you know, I'm going back now. Well, and you bring up a great point, Denise, the, the fact that we have to one, know who we are and how we work and knowing more about ourselves enables us to better work with ourselves, to better create environments and situations where we can truly be at our best and know when we need to take those breaks, when we need to take that mental kind of checkout for a minute or two and do something else to then come back to whatever it was that we were stuck on or struggling with or whatever it might be. Because knowing ourselves enables us to identify what are those key workarounds, what are those key steps, what are those key uh, assists that I can create for myself, the helpers, to help me again be at my best. Exactly. And I'm so glad we went there because I'm actually on chapter four, Mm. which is page 61 in the book, and it's gaining appreciation for your strengths and your limitations. Don't beat yourself up is what I took away from this whole thing. Do not beat yourself up. But in part of it, you say, before we dig into your swagger superpowers, I want you to complete the following activities. Mm -hmm. I always write a to-do list. I do. I always write a to-do list, even on the weekends. I'm a list builder. I have done since I was a kid. I always figure out the plot of a movie well before the end. Well, duh. And the book, (laughs) same thing. I always sort my clothes according to color. I'm not guilty of that much. Towels, yes. And I always ask lots of questions. Oh, yeah. And there's a whole nother list of it. So everybody grab this book and and start doing your homework. But let's talk about this chapter. So what's amazing about strengths and limitations. So I was fortunate enough. I'm a Gallup certified strengths coach. And so I've done quite a bit of work with Gallup. And they are the people who have done all the research around strengths-based development. And what I mean by strengths-based development is it's this concept uh, that is, it sounds kind of counterintuitive to the way we've been really conditioned over our lives. So let me start by asking you this. If you got a report card that had all A's and one F on the report card, what are you naturally drawn to? What are you naturally going to hone in on? The F. The F. And that's our natural tendency, right? We've been conditioned over time to look at where are our our issues, our challenges, our problems, our weaknesses, and let's work on those to strengthen them. But what Gallup has said, and what Clifton, uh, Don Clifton, who's the father of strengths-based development, he said, wait a minute, he, the research they've done has, has found that people, no matter what industry, what you do, who you are, People that hone in on and focus on their strengths and developing those, knowing and being full aware what their maybe limitations and or weaknesses are, they manage those. They don't ignore them, 
But when we focus on our strengths, the things we're naturally good at, that's when we truly excel and truly perform best, whatever role you're in. You know what I wanted to ask you? How do we know what our strengths are? Because honestly, I've I've struggled with that a bit. Things that come so easy and so naturally to me, and I've actually had to start listening to what other people say to me and about me because, you know, I just didn't for a long time. I'm always busy. I'm always building. I'm always in my head. And people say, oh, Denise, you know, you're such a great blah, blah, blah. Oh, thank you. And then off I go. Didn't really take it in. And I'm taking time now to take these things in and go, huh, I really did not. I knew it, but I didn't do anything about it. So how do you suggest people go, listen, you're hearing or doing wonderful things. Work on those strengths. How do you find those strengths? How do you identify them and make them really part and parcel of who you are at the top of your list? Well, it's there's a couple of great points that you raised there, Denise. And one of them is that we are shown and there are opportunities to notice and become more aware of what our strengths are. One, to your point, when people acknowledge certain things or when they raise certain things about, wow, you're really good at that. But there's a couple of things that Gallup raises, and these are kind of what we call clues to your strengths that you can start to pay more attention to in your daily life and hone in on what those things are for you. One of them is desire or yearning. The things we like to do, the things that we are really good at, we are drawn to them naturally. So pay attention to those activities, those tasks, the things that you are naturally drawn to. Another one is called rapid learning. So the things that you just kind of catch on so quickly. Nobody really has to give you all the answers. You're like, oh yeah, yeah, I got this. I got this. And that's because it's naturally something you do really, really well. Another one is flow. That's that thing when you get into flow and, and then time can just kind of disappear almost. And you don't realize how much time you've been spending in that activity. And the, the motions and the actions you're taking for whatever that activity is just come so easily to you. Another one is glimpses of excellence. And that's where you go, oh my gosh, how did I do that? That's amazing. How did that even happen? And that I do that actually probably more often than I really pay attention to. Well, and this is the thing, paying attention to these things. The last one is satisfaction. Those things that when you're done, you feel so good about what you got done, what you accomplished. So these are some kind of, clues to what your strengths are. If you can start paying attention to those, you can start recognizing and identifying some of those things that you do really, really well in your daily life. And the other thing you can do is go and take the strengths assessment through Gallup. It is so worthwhile and you will be absolutely amazed at When that report comes back, you will read it and go, how in the heck did they just do that? How did they nail me? Like, so that is totally me. How did that happen? It's quite amazing and eye-opening. And then when you know what they are, that makes it much easier for you to start identifying and seeing them in your daily life. And, And then you can work on developing them. Well, and it's been a long time since I've taken that. So I probably need to get over there again and see where I've grown because we do grow. We do, you know, as we learn and we gain in wisdom, I'm assuming I have gained in wisdom. Completely. And what's interesting is your talents. What, what I have found in my work with Gallup and in the research is that your talents and your strengths don't necessarily change too much over your life. They may change in order or kind of move around a bit, but the things we are still naturally really, really good at stay predominantly the same. They just kind of move around a little bit based on how we've grown, how we've developed, what roles we're playing now, what strengths do we need to kind of dial up more based on what we're doing and where we are in our life. 
And I'm assuming that part of that also comes because you've been upskilling yourself all along. Correct. Okay. Got it. Yeah, for sure. So what are, you know, when we're talking about your strengths, what are the current, some of the current trends or developments that you're seeing and how are they impacting what you do? Well, I think one of the things that I find fascinating about this work, especially when we talk about talents and strengths is we make assumptions around them. So for example, let's say that I have achiever as one of my top strengths and, or one of my talents. And does that mean that somebody who doesn't have achiever in their strengths, that they don't get things done? No, of course it doesn't. So the interesting thing is we make these assumptions that, oh, well, that's not in my top strength, so I can't be good at that. And what I have found in my work around this particular area and with people is that we have to help people understand it's not about what you have and what you don't have. It's about maximizing what you do have to accomplish what you're trying to do. So I was a global leadership consultant for a number of years. Well, communication and woo, one of the talents Gallup identifies, which is winning others over, that's what woo stands for, are towards the bottom of my strengths profile. Now you would think that's someone, I don't, you would think that someone who has to communicate for a living and who has to be in front of people and engage leaders at all levels across the globe in whether it's facilitating a large workshop or whatever it might be, would might that it would be good to have those strengths in your in your back pocket. But what I found was I use the talents and the strengths I do have in combination with one another to actually get really good at the work that I had to do. Well, that makes sense. And I didn't realize that that's what woo meant. I always thought it meant woohoo. Let's go. No. <laughs> it's it's winning others over. Let's go <laughs> so, get in trouble. Start now. <laughs> so far. I think it's like almost last on my strengths profile for me. I'm going to have to go do it. I'm going to do it today because it has been a long time. And I know that things have changed for me. I know that my interests are different. I know that some of my skills are way, way better. And I know that some of my skills I put in mothballs, I just didn't feel that I needed them any longer. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I guess I'll find out. Well, and I think to your point, Denise, we dial up and dial down what we need based on what we're doing and the work we're doing and the engagements we have with other people. And what's great about becoming more aware and more in tune with what your strengths and your talents really are that enables you to manipulate them like that. That enables you to tap into the ones you really need and dial down the ones you don't. And you also get really good at understanding how can I tap into other people that might be better at certain things than I am. And then together we create something that's better than the sum of its parts. Right. And I have to say in this book, I love this because I do this with my clients all the time. You give homework. I and do. I, when <laughs> I I'm consulting do. with them before I even take them as a client, I'm going to give you homework. And they're like, okay. <laughs> but they always, they show up because they know it's important. I can't build for them if I don't know who they are, what they are, what they bring to the world. You're getting homework. And here I'm on page 85. And you've got, in in keeping with what we're just talking about, activity, discovering your greatest hits. Mm -hmm. It's time to discover the potential you were born with, your greatest hits, your unique talents. I love that. Well, you can't just read something and create change. You have to do something. It goes back to what we said before. Knowing is not the same as doing. And if you're willing to do the work to explore, to have that relentless curiosity and the willingness to go inside and to look at who you really are and what you already have at your disposal, then you can start learning how to use those tools and those gifts and what makes you extraordinary. And that's when you get to be able to perform at your best and be at your best because you start to learn 
what it is that you already have that you can tap into. Right. Jennifer, when you were a kid, I suspect that all kids do this. Very young children before school kind of beats out their curiosity out of them. But I don't know about you, but I would wake up every morning. Well, I wake up all night long, but every time I would wake up, my question to me and literally to the universe is, who am I? What mm. am I? Why am I here? I, I, I think that I'm sure away. that I did that a lot as well. I, I have been told my whole life that I'm an old soul, that <laughs> I know things that I shouldn't know at the ages I was. And even now that I, for some reason, I've always had that, that aspect about me. And I've always had a very strong sense of curiosity about all kinds of things, trying to understand, well, not just the why, but I need to understand what's behind that. What causes that to happen? What triggers that? That's an interesting dynamic. Let me look into more about that. Why did I feel that way? So I think I always had that sense about me as well, which has led me into doing a lot of the work that I've done. And, you know, I don't, we all learn differently. Some of us read, mm -hmm. I'm a voracious reader. Some of us listen. I like to listen. In fact, I've been told that I listen between the lines and I can pull things out of guests that they didn't know they were going to say. I was just listening and, you know, kind of coming up with my own thing. And that old soul thing does, that does resonate with me. Absolutely. But my curiosity will have me squirrel braining all over the place. <laughs> So that's where my problem, and it is a problem with focus, and it's me beating myself up, Denise, really, I'll, you know, I'll get up at two or three in the morning and go do something that was just bugging the bejeebers out of me because I didn't do it. And I told myself I would do it. I broke a promise to myself. Can't stand that. But see, here's the thing. Now, it can, you can look at that, Denise, as, as you mentioned, as a problem, or you can recognize that about yourself and go, okay, this is one of my quirks. This is one of the things that makes me me. Now, how do I ensure that this doesn't become a barrier for me, that this doesn't get in my way, that this isn't detrimental for me? How can I use what I'm really good at to improve in this area if it's bothering me? Oh, see, now you just ruined my day. I thought I had something really crabby to say. <laughs> <laughs> you gave me a solution. Ah, darn it. But you're right. I, mean, I will, and I do beat myself up. I think we all do. Oh, we do. You know, We're we our have, worst critics. We are, and we should have high expectations of ourselves, but they get unreasonable. Mm -hmm. That's where I fall too many times of the day or night. So repeat what? to me what I need to do. So it's, you know that about yourself and instead of allowing it to become a barrier for you or to become something that's detrimental, that gets in your way, you can use what you are really good at to identify steps you can take to make progress in that area. If it's something that's bothering you, you have everything you need to create change. You just have to choose to do it. It has to be something that you say enough already. I don't want to keep having this same pattern of behavior. That's bothersome to me. I am ready to take some steps to create a change. And then you can break down what, what might that look like? What are some things that I can physically do and take action on today right now to minimize this aspect or this challenge that I'm facing in my life? And I'm listening to this and writing it down and I will put it on my whiteboard that we talked about. Last <laughs> I still have that space open, but I remember, and that prompted me to recall a time many years ago, I had hired my very first business coach and that was, tr that was tricky because I don't like to be told what to do, but she wasn't, God bless her. She was asking a lot of really good questions, yeah. but I was probably whining, complaining, you know, trying to figure out why mm. I was not getting out of my own way. And she listened to me very quietly and she just kind of let the, there was quiet for a while and I was getting nervous. You know, you do like, Ooh, you know, now what? And she said, Denise, I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, what are you tolerating? 
Mm. Yeah. That was a big question. Exactly. No, exactly. And, and what's interesting, Denise, is you have in our conversations together, you've identified certain things and you have categorized yourself. It's almost like you've put yourself in certain boxes, if you will, and said, oh, well, you know, like, for example, I have a squirrel brain. I can't focus. I can't do these things. Oh, I and can. What, I just don't want to sometimes. Well, oh, now you just hinted on something very uh, yeah. important. You will do the things you want to do. If something is really important to you, you will figure it out. Exactly. And sometimes I just want to read a book and, you know, watch the squirrels outside this morning. Yeah. I was sitting out on my bench with my dog and I was watching the hummingbirds. Mm-hmm. I wasn't thinking a thing. I was just watching the hummingbirds. And that might've been exactly what you needed in that moment. And that's, and that's the point. Don't, don't apologize for what you need to do to be at your best. That's yeah, you're exactly right. And, you know, I think when, when we understand what our skills are, what our biggest achievements or accomplishments are so far, we don't want to stop. We want to keep building on that, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, completely. And we also have to recognize this is the unique thing about our talents and our strengths. They can be overused. Oh, let's talk about that. Now, when they're overused, they can become a limitation and a barrier. So for example, one of my top talents and strengths is maximizer. Now, what that means is that I don't like to do things that are just good. I like to do things, I want them to be exceptional. You know, mediocre just isn't part of my vocabulary. It's just not part of my DNA. It's not how I'm put together. Now, that's a great thing. It pushes me to strive for excellence and, and in myself and also in others. Now, overused, you can imagine when that's on overdrive, how horrific that might be to somebody else on the other end of that. If I'm working on a project with someone and I'm on a tight deadline and it's a high profile project and they send me some of the work that we've done, that they've done, <laughs> they're picking apart. And I, I hate getting into the details, but my maximizer strength on overdrive can't, I can't overlook the details. Can't you see the fonts different here? And these aren't lined up and what's wrong with this. And, oh, I could just attack something and it's horrible, but I know this about myself. And so there's steps I can take to minimize the impact that might have when I'm working with others. And also I can use others to help me when it shows up. So when I'm in a project meeting, I will work with people in advance and I will say, look, this part of me is likely going to show up at some point, especially if we're on a tight deadline or we're under stress or what have you. And I need you to let me know when it shows up and to kind of just nudge me a little bit and say, uh, Jennifer, you're doing that maximizer thing again. <laughs> can you just stop? And then they know not to take it personally, that it's just my strength on overdrive. And I know that I can then dial it back and kind of bring myself back into check again. So it's, I can only do that when I know my strengths really well. And when I know myself really well, and that's part of the reason why it's so important to do this work. You're bringing me back a large number of years now, because I've got a <laughs> that work with me on my web development company. And I always hire, I was smart enough from the beginning. I still do. Most of them have been with me a long time though, but I always hire people who are better than I am mm -hmm. at one particular part of the build. Yeah. I mean, I can yeah. tell them what I want. I can tell them what I need, but they're staying on top of the skills. I'm not right. You know, I just don't have the time or the energy. That's why I hire people. But I was doing what you were just discussing mm -hmm. with me about, and I was a bottleneck. They hated yes. me. I didn't even yes. know it. I wanted it done my way by golly. Yes. I was a bottleneck because I was catching. All of a sudden they would, you know, respond. They would get the work done the way I wanted it done, but they would respond in terse. Yes. No. You know, they were not friendly anymore. Mm. Well, they hated me. Yeah. Who could blame them? Yeah. 
and the, and that oftentimes those kinds of situations are where your strengths are on overdrive. They're being overused. Yeah. No question about it. So you create a a negative and a damaging environment for people to be in. They don't want to be in it. And this was before we even understood what culture was in terms of place. And I just knew that I wanted it done my way, by golly, in my way or the highway. That never does work out well. It doesn't work. You try it on me and I'll leave. But I was doing (laughs) other people. So it's like, really, Denise? (laughs) I finally had to do a a conference call with all of them and just apologize and say, listen, I didn't realize I was doing this. I'm going to do my level best not to, to be this way again. But I know you guys are much better than I am in, let's say, newsletters or whatever it is. You know, we right. all press, but, you know, I want you to bring your strengths and your skills and your suggestions right. to me instead of me saying, hey, by the way, say, well, how how about this, Denise? How about if we do it this way? It's easier. It's better. It's faster. It's quicker. It's more pretty. It's more beautiful. Once that opened up, I have a great team. And they don't hate yes. me anymore. Woohoo. Well, and because and what you did is you allowed their creativity, their strengths to come to the exactly. surface instead of shutting everybody down and overwhelming them with yours. And I really did think I was right. I wanted it done my way. Yeah. Turns out I couldn't be more wrong. And opening up like that, people really appreciate that they, because what we're doing in that moment, and this is a really, it's a scary thing. It's one of the things I I worked with a lot with leaders over the years. There's this sense of, depending on what culture you're, you come from vulnerability in some cultures equals weakness, but actually being willing to demonstrate vulnerability takes a heck of a lot of courage and strength and an understanding of who you are. And so demonstrating vulnerability, demonstrating that you're human is one of the most courageous and strongest things you can do. And one of the best things you can do as a leader. And it also enables you to connect with those people you're engaging with on a human to human level. And when you do that, that's when you build willing followership. And that's when you build a completely different culture and a completely different environment. And I found that I liked myself a whole lot better. I did not realize you don't know what you don't know. We've talked about this. Mm -hmm. You just don't, you're not paying attention or you don't know how it impacts other people. It can, it can cause you a lot of trouble. And then, you know, I, I moved over here. I'm bouncing around a bit. I've got cards all over this book. I'm going to chapter five, finding gratitude for your life experiences. And again, that takes me back a number of years. I mean, this podcast is 15 years old. It's quite an elderly show now. I mean, they're mature, like- Denise, mature. We like the word mature. Mature That's is right. much better than elderly. <laughs> I'm writing that down. Okay, got it. <laughs> got it. <laughs> there were only maybe 10 of us, which is a gross exaggeration, but there were very few of us out in the in this space, you know, back in... 2008. And I remember one of my very early podcast guests who had recovered from some Mm. terrible, terrible health issues. I mean, he was told his doctors, I don't know why you listen to doctors. Oh, you've got six months. Yeah, watch this. (laughs) (laughs) Which was kind of his attitude. And he's you know, he's fine. He's still around. This was a long time ago. And he was given roughly six months. So Amazing. I, I wanted, I said, how, how did you overcome this? He said, well, I did some of the medical things that, you know, surgical intervention, obviously you can hardly avoid that. But he said, I chose not to poison myself with the different, you know, mm. treatments. And he said, I embarked on a massive gratitude practice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he insists to this day that he cured himself just by being immensely grateful every moment of every day. And I'm not saying he stops and, you know, he bows to the wall and says, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. He's just, every breath is one of gratitude. And that made so much sense to me. Well, it's one of the most powerful tools we have in our toolkit, gratitude. And it has the ability to immediately and profoundly shift 
our mindset and our attitude. It is one of those things that some people really struggle with because they, they struggle with the word gratitude. But if you look at the definition, gratitude is not about having a false sense of positivity. It's not about telling yourself that you have it better than others. It's about truly being grateful for what you have right now here today. That's what gratitude is. And you can find gratitude for the simplest things. I know I tell this story in the book. There was a time when I was in New York, my husband and I lived in Manhattan for a period of time. So we know how loud the city can be. And I usually go to bed quite early if I'm going to facilitate because I have to get up very early and do my prep and get ready for the day. And so I have my earplugs in and I'm getting all snuggled in. I was at a, in a hotel. Cause we didn't live in the city anymore. And it was so loud, like so incredibly loud. I could not deal. And I was just complaining, complaining. Don't these people know that I actually have to don't, doesn't anybody care that other people are trying to sleep here? Well, of course they don't. They're worrying about themselves, but I stopped myself in that moment. And I said, wait a minute, shouldn't I just be grateful that I can hear unbelievable that moment shifted everything for me I can see why it would and listen I am grateful for so many things I'm grateful for water exactly I mean I love water if you put me in a restaurant or at a friend's house Denise would you like to drink water yeah you know just water and every and I'll stick my face under the faucet I'll drink out of the hose I'm not gonna die I drink out of the hose (laughs) But every time I'm like, oh, I love water. And I do. I love the taste of it. Right. And water does have taste, by the way. Who y'all it going does. Water? It does. It absolutely <laughs> does. <laughs> it has, And I like well water, too. So go figure. But, I mean, I'll be up at 3 in the morning sticking my face under the faucet because, you know, my, my bottle of water or my big tumbler of water is in another room. And... I'm like, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And then I stop and think about not often, but it crosses my mind. So many people do not have water. They don't have potable water. They have to go down mountains. Exactly. And I don't understand. I'll be frank with you. I don't understand how in a world so evolved that we still have that. That's exactly right. There's, and I'm going to say that's intervention of the, the worst sort. It could be done. It's just not done. It's just not being done. Again, it's this whole, go go back to where we started today. Knowing is not the same as doing. That's exactly right. We know there's a problem, but nobody's doing anything about it yet. No, I don't understand it. And I'll see these people who are wandering around with baskets of water, you know, pots of water on their head. And I'm thinking, oh, geez. But I've got water and I'm grateful for it. Listen, I live in Hurricane. I'm where I live in the deep South, we have two seasons, hot and hotter and hell. And then six months of that is the hurricane season. Right. I have to say in all the hurricanes that I have lived through, never one time did the water go power went, everything else mm, went amazing. The water stuck with me. It's like, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank I, you. I've had a couple situations where for some reason, I think it might've been when we lived in Manhattan and they had a water main break in the city or something. Uh-huh. And so all the water gets shut off in your apartment. You have no idea how and this is these are actually this is a great example of how you can start to create gratitude or find gratitude so I talk about in the book that gratitude is about outcome and what I mean by that is having an experience that you are able to find gratitude for something that would not have you wouldn't have been grateful for had that experience not taken place And this is a great example. You don't realize how much you take for granted that all we have to do is turn the faucet on or to flush the toilet or to take a shower or, you know, even in the kitchen to wash anything, to wash your hand, nothing. We take it for granted that it's always there until it's not. Exactly. And when it's gone, then you can go, oh my gosh, I now have this immense amount of gratitude for the fact that I live in a place where all I have to do is turn the faucet on. And you mentioned something earlier about the noise that you were enduring Mm. while you were in New York. Mm. Listen, I, 
I like it quiet in my house. I don't turn the TV mm. on. I don't turn the radio. I'm thinking, I'm crafting, I'm building code. Mostly I'm thinking. And it can get very, very quiet in here. But last night, and I don't even know what I was doing or how I noticed this, but there wasn't any sound in my house at all. There was no traffic. And it, I live in a very quiet neighborhood. So traffic at night is definitely not a problem. Even during the day, I don't notice it. But all of a sudden, I was sitting there and I was reading a book, or I think I was thinking about reading a book, and I could hear my refrigerator. Mm -hmm. And I started paying attention. The only thing I could hear in my house mm -hmm. was the refrigerator. That was it. And I don't know how often people can get that quiet. And or that we take the time to right, be, to actually right. pay attention and become aware of our surroundings. Exactly. And it's important to do so because yes. then you're opening up your senses. And I, I caught myself, well, is there anything else? Normally I'll hear my, my giant ginger cat. He's a hashtag on Facebook. He just <laughs> raised his head. Hashtag Hamilton is an ass. He purrs all the time. He's giant. He's loud. <laughs> he wasn't purring. The dog was uh -huh. snoring. There was uh -huh. nothing going on but the refrigerator. And that led me to start kind of sending my senses out. Well, what else can I hear? What right. else is going on? So right. I got very curious at that moment. It's, I, I find that so fascinating that we just are so busy most of the time. Busy being busy, quite frankly, I think. Mm -hmm. I think this notion of busy has become kind of a badge of honor. Oh, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I'm so busy that we don't take the time to just listen, to just be aware, to just look, to observe, to pay attention to our surroundings, to what's going on in our life, to how we're feeling in that moment. Exactly. Exactly. And part of what I was feeling was gratitude because I own an mm. LG refrigerator. It's a piece of crap. Don't ever buy an LG refrigerator. It's five years old. It's been, finally, it's out of warranty, but it's been gutted and repaired so many times. I'm just waiting for it to die and I'll throw it out in the yard. But <laughs> part of me is going, oh, she's working. Good girl. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I was talking to the refrigerator. Good girl. Keep it up. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and then I moved on to something else. But, you know, we have these moments that they're going to stick with you for the rest of your life. I mentioned hurricanes. And yes. there was one her was Hurricane Andrew, I believe it was a long time ago. And it landed, the, the eye of the storm landed literally on top of my house. It just mm. there, it was on top of my house. And what that means is you can go from being in the house going oh did, is the roof still there are the trees still it's mm -hmm. loud it's frightening it's combative it's gorgeous it really is I mean there's something immensely magnificent about these storms. when you experience the power of nature yeah, it, mm. that's exactly right but when that eye hit it went so quiet yeah calm mm -hmm. that we went outside on the front porch of people who were sheltering there with me we could hear there was no there was no nature sounds there was no birds there was mm -mm. nothing there was no sounds we could hear our hearts beating we could hear the blood racing through our veins we could hear it crazy and that's something you don't forget and that's when mm -mm. you say is this what being human is all about is this how my body works you get very curious you're also thankful you didn't get crushed by a tree well right but it's <laughs> It's amazing to live through something like that. Well, and then you have to, I think there's also opportunity once that passes. So one of the things I find about gratitude, and I found this quite a bit when I worked with, when I used to coach cancer survivors, when cancer survivors get, when they're in treatment, surviving treatment becomes their whole life, but then they okay. get past treatment. And that's when they can start questioning. That's when they can start finding gratitude. That's when you can start to look back at things. And same with your experience. When you're in the midst of the experience, it's survival mode because you have to be in survival mode. And then once you get past that, now you have an opportunity to look back and say, okay, what, what did I learn from that? How did I grow from that experience? What's one thing I can take from that experience 
that's going to enable me to move forward more productively or to be even better than I was before the experience. And that's how you can start finding gratitude for even experiences that might seem horrific that you've gone through. But we have to remind ourselves that life is happening for us, not to us. Not at us. Yes. And I'll do that a lot. It's like, oh, you know, it happened to me and blah, 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 blah. But what did you learn from it? What are you yes. going to change? Yes. Every experience we have is an opportunity for growth and development. If we choose to see it that way, we get to make that choice. And I wanted to ask you, because you're men, you mentioned, you know, talking with cancer patients, mm. what, what was your takeaway with them? You know, did, did many of them say, you know, after they're past all of that, after they're saying, okay, I'm not going to die this week. It's all good. I'm good. Yeah. What did they, did they start to say, okay, I'm going to go back into my past a little bit. I'm not going to wallow in it, but I'm going to see what needs to change. And I'm going to fix that and work on that. Is that your experience with them? It depends on the person and depends on, because everybody's journey is different. And so it really does depend on the individual. And what I did find are those people that they get to a certain point where they can't go back to who they were because they're fundamentally changed by the experience. Mm -hmm. And now they have to identify and determine who do they want to become. And those are the people that get to that point that say, okay, now I have an opportunity. This has given me an opportunity. It's like I have a second chance on life. I get to become who I want to be, who I choose to be. Now I can look back. Now I can maybe even change the stories I've told myself about certain situations in my life. I get to reframe the narrative. That's up to me. It is. And I think we talked about this Monday that, you know, I was working on a lot of things over the weekend and I was looking at one particular thing and I realized that this thing that I just knew this was how it happened. This was my memory. You couldn't budge me from it. I was two years off. It didn't happen in the time frame that I thought it <laughs> happened. So I had to sit back and go, what else isn't correct? Yeah. Not that I really dove too deeply into it mm. because it wasn't that important. I was just curious. But again, we go to that curiosity factor. What else am I telling myself? And I'm going to use your term, Mm -hmm. your swagger limiting beliefs. That's right. What are you telling yourself that just ain't so, as we say in Mm -hmm. this? No, it's true. And, And we, because what we don't realize sometimes is some of the things that, first of all, our beliefs are just that. They're something we have come to believe. They're not necessarily the truth or facts. They are something we have come to believe. Now, we and our self-limiting beliefs, believe it or not, they actually start from a place of protection. They started... Fight or flight, right? Yes, to help us in times of stress and to keep from getting hurt or whatever the case may be. But we also get to choose whether or not we want to continue to take their advice, whether we want to continue to allow them into our lives. They are the uninvited guest. We can say thank you very much. appreciate it, but I don't need you anymore. I do that a lot. I really mm-hmm. do. But I had to become aware that I was doing it. And more importantly, that I could and should do it. Well, that you're bringing two really, really critical points up, Denise. One is becoming more aware. We have to recognize when they show up. And it's sometimes really easy to see if, going back to some of the other conversation we were just having, you have to be willing to pay attention. You pay attention to your body. You pay attention to what the words going on inside your head. You pay attention to how you're feeling because when your self-limiting beliefs show up, you can see them. The the best way to watch a self-limiting belief or swagger limiting belief hijacking is to watch a tennis player in a major, in, in, in a match, watch them. When they hit a bad shot, you can see the ones that get hijacked by their self-limiting beliefs. Their whole body language changes. 
they slump down. It's almost as if they've got a thousand pounds that have just landed on them. And you can see them kind of battling with themselves internally, kind of yelling at themselves. Can't believe you just did that. What are you doing? And it just builds and it builds and it builds until some of them actually break their racket, whatever it might be. But you can watch the hijacking taking place physically, even though you're you're not listening to what's going on inside their head. So if we pay attention to what our body is feeling and what's going on, did my heart start racing? Did I start sweating? Did I get a stomach ache? Did I, what, what happened in my body when these self-limiting beliefs or swagger limiting beliefs show up? We have to be able to recognize them. And the second point that you raised, Denise, that I, I think is so critical is we get to choose. We get to decide if we want to listen to them or not. Exactly. And when you're talking about the tennis stars, and I don't watch tennis, I don't watch much really, but I have seen, you know, on Twitter something, oh, you yeah. can, he's just slumping. But my here's my question. I'm not sure I can even phrase it properly, but when you're watching somebody basically hijack themselves and they continue on, is there a moment when they should say, knock it off? Yes. We'll get back to this later. Stop. It, oh, absolutely. When you, when you, dig into it you're just your body is just gonna go okay well let's go ahead and whine and it's gonna keep on going until you stop it that's right you have to stop it's like a train going full steam and you have to literally stop it in its tracks you have to be willing to pull the brake and you can actually see that as well I have watched tennis players who have been able they started down that path and they went nope I'm not going there and they turn it around because they let go they let go of it and they say, no, I, I am no longer, this is not serving me in this moment. And I need to make a different choice to move myself down a productive path. That leads me to page 179, where you're talking about cha- taking charge. And mm-hmm. we're still talking about the swagger limiting beliefs, which I had no idea they existed. Well, I didn't know they existed with that term. And I love that term <laughs> because it makes sense. It's like, Ooh, they're, they're getting in our way. That right? one. Yeah. But here it says, there's good news. There's better news. You and only you can put those uninvited guests on the do not admit list. Yes. I love that. Mm -hmm. You can deprive your swagger limiting beliefs of all of their power and Mm -hmm. authority over you. Like I said, you're not the boss of me. That's right. That's right. And I do talk about in the techniques that I allude to and that I illustrate in the book about doing reps, which is recognize, evaluate, and pivot. That's one of the techniques you can use to really overcome your swagger limiting beliefs. And one of the things I say in there is to, when you recognize when they show up, is also, again, reminding yourself that they started from a place of trying to help you. So when I get to the part where it says pivot, where you pivot and recreate a new, rephrase how you want to talk to yourself and reframe it, replace that maybe negative statement with a more productive one. But I also encourage you to thank your self-limiting beliefs or your swagger limiting beliefs. Thank you because they did start from a place of trying to help. And now you can say, thank you. I appreciate everything you've done and I don't need you anymore. I've got this and I'm moving in a different direction. I can hear people now saying, well, I don't have time for all this self-reflection. I can hear it. You hear it as well. It when you practice uh, seriously, I mean, once you get down, anything gets easier with practice. Let me when you first learn to drive a car, if you drive, you had to be very intentional about every step, right? Okay, I get in, I gotta put my seatbelt down, I gotta adjust the seat, I gotta make sure all my mirrors are right, I gotta okay, I'm either gonna push the start or turn the key, I put on the brake, you know what? You had to think about everything. Now you probably get to work and have no idea how you got there because it's just rote memory. It just happens. Anything with practice over time gets easier. Once you get better at recognizing when they show up, this idea of recognize, evaluate, pivot takes literally minutes. If that, you can do it in seconds. So somebody that says they don't have time, 
that means this isn't important enough for them yet. Yeah, it's they're not there where they understand exactly. That they're in charge at some level, exactly. and they better step up. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Okay, so we're not going to make it all the way through the book. So I'm going to know we never will. It's a great book. I have in my my office, and I know I've shared this with the audience before, but I have hundreds of books in here, hundreds. And every single book has been gifted to me by my podcast authors. And I have read every single one of them. And I have, well, some shelves that are like, okay, these are great books, but I'm probably not going to need them anytime soon. They can go closer to the bottom. And I do have one shelf in particular, like this is the one I'm going to be grabbing a lot. And yours, as soon as I'm through with <laughs> podcast and writing, you know, my thoughts on it it's going to go right where I can spot it all I have to do is lean over and grab it so thank you for sending me your book I love this book thank you so much Denise and that is the whole point it's meant to be something you come back to time and time again because we change because we grow because we develop it will always be there to meet you where you are and to give you whether it's a reminder uh, you need to redo an activity to kind of refresh something for yourself, include some daily reinforcements, because your swagger has to be practiced and lived every single day. Every moment. Mm -hmm. You know, people, and I'll, this is a pet peeve of mine, people say, oh, I'm having a bad day. No, you're not. That's your choice. Then shame on you. That's up to you. What's even easier than that? You might be having a bad moment or, you know, rough 15 minutes. It's not the whole day. Knock it off. Exactly. Exactly. People say that to me all the time. Are, are you having a, are you having a good day? If I'm not, it's certainly my fault. It's, up, right. it's all on me. <laughs> Listen, I've had some tough days and we all do, but challenges, moments yeah. of absolute bliss Yes. of recognition of, oh my God, or, oh shit, you know, there's going to be, that's of just course. the way your day goes. You can't say, oh, I'm having a bad day. I'm having a bad life. If that's your attitude, I'm going to tell you right now, don't come around me. I won't. Well, it's a self-fulfilling well. prophecy. Exactly. That's exactly what you're going to create because what we focus on is what we see more of and what we end up creating and bringing into our lives. Exactly. Before I let you go, what are some of the core values or principles that guide you? in your work, in your life. And why did you write this book? So one of the things that, so my, my older sister actually passed away when she was only in her thirties. And I do talk about that in the book because through that experience, I learned so much. And one of the things that really stuck out for me was do not regret getting older. It's a privilege denied to many. It is, And I look at every single day as a privilege and a gift. And what I get to do, I have this burning desire to be able to help other people. I couldn't help my sister. I don't know if I, if I had been able to help her, would she still be here today? I don't know. But I'm here to help others today realize that they have everything, everything they need to not only be at their best, but perform at their best and truly live their best life, that they don't just have to be in survival mode. They can learn to thrive, that every single day is a privilege that we get to be here. And if I can help people do that, then I am living my purpose and why I'm here. And that's why I wrote the book. I'm almost speechless. And you know, that doesn't happen very often. <laughs> I was going to say, can you count how many times that's happened in your life to me? Probably <laughs> not that many, but that was beautifully put. And thank you so much. No, thank you. Thank you for inviting me to, to have this wonderful conversation with you and to share this with your listeners. I'm just thrilled to have been able to join you. Oh, I'm so glad that you could do the back-to-back because -back, like I told you in the green room, that doesn't happen very often. And I really appreciate you being with me here Monday and again today. And would you mind sharing your online presence and your preferred means of contact for those who wish to learn more about you? Absolutely. They can go to Swagger U. That's the letter U, short for Swagger University. So SwaggerU.com. That's my website. They can, there's a way to contact me through the website so they can absolutely do that. They can find me on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, all of those. 
uh, either through swagger you underscore Jennifer Sukalo or just look up Jennifer Morozek Sukalo and I should pop up anywhere. They can find the book, Claim Your Swagger, at anywhere books are sold, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, um, all of your favorite retail outlets. Jennifer, before I let you go, do you have any last thoughts you'd like to share with the audience? I want to say two things. One, swagger, <clears throat> excuse me, swagger cannot be bought. It has to be earned. And there is no age limit on swagger. Oh, I like that. You know, oh, that's a whole nother conversation. Okay. <laughs> 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 so well listen thank you so much and um i have really enjoyed meeting you and chatting with you and i know we're going to stay in touch we certainly are oh absolutely so everybody to our audience as we conclude today's episode your feedback means a lot if you found the show helpful please support us with a quick review on itunes your input is vital in my mission to inspire and empower more individuals across the globe so don't forget to hit subscribe, leave a review, and share your part in Success Radio with your friends and your colleagues. And be sure to find Jennifer on the web and connect with her. And thank you for tuning in. Jennifer, thank you so much. Thank you, Denise. Get your voice heard. If you would like to launch your own far-reaching podcast, contact Denise Griffiths at yourofficeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.